0: This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 364. Hello and welcome to the show. Great to have you with us once again. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Apple has confirmed its September iPhone launch event. Samsung has launched a display That is as big as your wall. And Dyson has released the Light Cycle Task Light that can imitate natural light and improve your well-being. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to check out the Telstra Locator so you won't lose a thing. We'll also road test the Synology 1019 Plus network-attached storage drive. And Lumix has released the S1H Cinema Camera. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide Help Desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. The rumours have been around a while, and now the invitations have been issued. Apple has confirmed it is holding a launch event on September the 10th in the US, which will be September, early hours of September 11 in Australia. So uh, this is no doubt going to see some new iPhones announced. It's that time of year. September is normally the month where Apple holds this event, and we normally see new iPhones, perhaps other products so what they've done, the, uh, the invitations uh, had a little, little there was an image of the Apple logo, like a multi-layered, very colourful image of the Apple logo. And traditionally what happens, the invitations go out to the media uh, in the hours, uh, of about a week and a half before the event, which was the other day. And uh, I was lucky enough to receive this invitation, so I'll be in, in uh, Cupertino for the event, which is going to be held at the Steve Jobs Theatre uh, at Apple's campus. And uh, the invitation had that image of the Apple logo, the colourful image, and it had uh, another some words underneath saying, by innovation only. So instead of in invitation only, by innovation only. They do love a little play on words with these with these uh, invites. And then it says, please join us for an Apple special event at the Steve Jobs Theatre in Cupertino, September 10, 2019. It's going to kick off at 10 a.m., which will be 3 a.m., in, on September 11, Sydney time. So what are we going to see? Well, for a start, I think we're going to get some massive updates about the products, recent released products. We're going to also hear about the new operating systems that are, that are about to go live. Remember the ones that were announced back at the Worldwide Developers Conference? I'm talking iOS 13, uh, iPadOS, macOS Catalina, so all of these uh, these these software are going to be have official launch dates. Then they'll announce that those at the event. Uh, they'll also, I think, introduce the new Apple Watch Series Five. So, would you for another Apple Watch, which will no doubt add even more connectivity uh, and more ways you can use it on its own without having to be connected with an iPhone. More streaming services, more things you can do with it independently. So that, that's uh, another another thing that I think is going to happen as well. Apple will also use this event to preview its new upcoming streaming service. You've got to remember, Apple TV Plus will be released later this year. Now, back in March, they held an event just to talk about this, to announce the fact that it's coming. And they also announced there will be a lot of original content created, a lot of original shows Uh, and that I think they'll use this event as another bit of a launch pad for that service, which we're expecting to be released before the end of the year. No details, of course, on the the launch date and pricing, although I'm going to place – I'm going to take a punt here, and remember I said this in Episode 364, that I reckon the price is going to be $14.99 Australian dollars a month, probably $9.99 in the US dollars uh, for American customers. American viewers so I reckon remark my words and I'll, I will I will fess up if I get it wrong but $14.99 I think is going to be the uh, the asking price for the monthly the monthly streaming price for Apple TV plus some of the shows there's two I'm going to mention one is called the morning show which stars Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon uh, as well and also I think Steve Carell is in that as well. There is another show that I think looks really cool. They did show a a snippet of this back at Worldwide Developers Conference back in June. It's It's a show called For All Mankind, another exclusive for Apple TV. But this is an alternate reality drama. And the drama is the fact that the whole backdrop of this is that the Russians beat the US to the moon. So the space race, Americans, obviously, as we know, landed on the moon 50 years ago. Uh, ahead of the Russians, but in this this drama, apparently the Russians get there first, and it's this whole alternate reality that comes out of it that uh, I think looks pretty cool. The trailer looks great. But you know what? What we've turned up for this event for, it's for iPhones. iPhones are going to be released, no doubt, in the world, and I think this year... After uh, more than any other year, I think has been the worst year for leaked rumours. At worst, I mean, there's so many of them, but also the best at the same time because they're all pretty accurate. There's already cases that are being manufactured for the phones. So many people seem to know what these phones are going to look like. What we don't know is what they're going to be called. Is it going to be the iPhone 11? Is it going to be iPhone, a name given to it? We don't know. So for, for our purposes here on this show, I'm going to refer to them as the iPhone 11. So there'll be the 11S, which is their top-of-the-line device. It'll be available in two sizes, a still the 6.5 and the 5.8-inch screens. And there'll also be an iPhone 11R, which will have that 6.1-inch screen, but it'll be LCD. It won't be OLED like the the X, the 11S screens will be. So they're, again, giving you premium choices, and the 11R will be your entry-level choice. So it'll be similar design, but with an inferior camera and an inferior screen. The screen will be LCD and not OLED. Uh, And on the camera side, that's going to be the biggest difference, I think, design-wise from the front I don't think you're going to see much difference in the in the iPhone, but on the back panel there's apparently going to be if anyone who owns an iPhone ten or a 10s uh, will notice the dual camera system is like a little oval shape in the top left hand corner when you're looking at the back of the phone. So imagine having two of those beside each other and just squaring it off top and bottom. so you still have that curve that in the corners. But imagine having four of those corners instead of just having a rounded top. So you'll see pictures of it on Tech Guide. It's going to be this big black square in the top left-hand corner of the phone is going to now be that camera system. Uh, a lot of people have criticised it already. It hasn't even been announced yet. Uh, a lot of people are saying how how unpleasing it is. Uh, they've used the word ugly even. So uh, I'm not sure how it's going to look. Obviously, the official version we haven't seen. We still don't know whether that square that square camera system is going to protrude from the back. If the leaked images we're looking at on Tech Guide are anything to go by, that will have a little camera bump on the back. Well, not little because it's quite a big square on the back there. Uh, other improvements: we know there's going to be an improved face ID, so you can unlock your phone just about instantly. Of course, there'll be a new uh, some new silicon. The Apple processor is also going to be updated, uh, so that there's it's going to be faster. And the other, there's a couple other rumors, some some wild rumors that are that are flying around. One that I think may have some legs is the rumor that the new iPhone 11s Max, so the bigger phone, will be Apple Pencil compatible. So that means you'll be able to, if you've got an Apple Pencil or you buy an Apple Pencil, you will be able to write on the screen, a la the Note 10. So. That's going to be a competitor for it. So imagine Apple offering that kind of feature on top of a great camera system uh, and not much else apart from all the the under-the-hood features. Then it could be a, a, a way for Apple, a little bit of a shot across the bow to Samsung, to say, well, you can write on the screen, we can write on the screen too with Apple Pencil, which of course now works on every iPad. And I think it makes sense to have it working on the biggest iPhone because it's just... Another benefit of having a big screen. Before it, it, today, with the 10s and the 10s Max, it's the same phone just with a bigger screen. I think the the cameras are the same. Do you remember when they you, we used to have the the remember the iPhone 8 and the iPhone 8 Plus? The Plus always had the better camera. I don't think that's going to be the case. It wasn't the case last year, and it won't be the case again this year. It'd be the same camera no matter what screen size you go for. So. I think maybe as an added bonus, if you want to spend more on the Max, then have Apple Pencil compatibility. I mean, you better sketch and draw, and it makes sense having it on the larger screen just because it's easier to write on, and it's similar size screen to the Note 10 Plus, which is 6.8 inches. The the, the iPhone 11s with 11s Max is going to be 6.5 inches, uh, which which with apart from the little notch at the top of the screen, you're getting a lot of screen real estate and a lot of room to move with the Apple Pencil. I would use that feature if it was available because you could just do so much. How many, look at all the great apps there are on the iPad for you to draw and sketch and do things. Just use that, that Apple Pencil as a mouse even to get around. Imagine how much more accurate you can do things with Apple Pencil. I really hope that that is the case, that we do get Apple Pencil compatibility. But we can speculate as much as we want. We'll know for sure on September 10, early September 11, 3 a.m. If you want to set your alarm clocks, a lot of, I know a lot of you uh, will get up early to watch the stream. There'll no doubt be a stream through Apple TV and also through the Apple website where you can watch the event live. I will be in... Cupertino, in the Steve Jobs Theatre on the, on that day, and I'll be covering everything, of course, at TechGuide. So all the news, all the releases, I'll even have videos, hands-on videos of any new product I can get my hands on. So if you want to stay up to date with what happens at the Apple event, you need to tune in, point your browser at techguide.com.au. This is TechGuide with Stephen Fennec. Now down in Melbourne, they they just held their Integrate Expo, which is a, a, a tech expo that shows all different kinds of technologies and displays and you name it. Uh, it's it's mainly it's not such more it's not much of a consumer tech show. It's more of a commercial B2B type show. And Samsung was there though and showing off their new display technology. Uh, This has been around a little while, but it's finally arrived in Australia. It's called The Wall, and it's called The Wall Luxury. Actually, I've added the word luxury since it's been released in Australia, but what this basically is is a modular uh, display system. So, you know, now you want to buy a 75-inch TV, you rock up to the store and you pick out a 75-inch TV and you take it home in a box. Well, The Wall operates a little differently a lot differently, actually. What you do with the wall, you build the TV that you want and you get a choice from building even your own aspect ratio, uh, the shape that you want. You might want an L-shaped TV or a H-TV or whatever you want. You get to choose thanks to the micro LED panels. So each panel is, I think, slightly larger than a CD case. So imagine... You buy a bunch of those, put it together and create the shape, the size that you want and the the resolution that you want as well because it starts off, I think the smallest you can get the TV is 73 inches, so that's the smallest you can get it and then you can take that all the way up to 292 inches, so 73 inches, that'll be a 4K screen, which is, that's still pretty solid. But then you can go, and that 's four k so you can go all the way up then to two hundred and ninety two inches we 're talking meters there that 's almost a seven meter screen I think if i 'm doing my calculations correctly, so if you want to go that path it 's not going to be cheap, of course, but uh, this is this is an option not only for if you want to use this at home then If you have to ask the price, you can't afford it. It's going to be that kind of luxury item. But if you want to use it in a commercial sense, perhaps in a building, in your lobby, or however you want to do it, there's a commercial version of the wall luxury already in use. It's featured at the iconic One Times Square building in New York. uh, And there's a five-screen LED display installation in the building using this technology and so what it does, it uses, it is modular, as I mentioned, so it uses micro-LED panels. So instead of you having uh, the the backlight and the, the crystal structure of the screen, now this modular system means you can uh, put it together like a big big Lego set. So with, with regular format, just large format displays with the crystal layers and the backlights, you don't have that. Instead... The wall luxury uses millions of small self-emitting LED pixels, and it creates all these great colours and, and really accurate blacks. It's also, it also has HDR on board, HDR 10 plus as well for for optimum brightness and and all that detail in all the dark areas of the screen. So you're getting a good quality television, uh, but you're just on a much larger and grander scale. So the Samsung Wall Luxury has landed in Australia. Don't ask me the price because I don't know it. It's not going to be cheap, uh, but if you're interested in, uh, look, if money's no object, then go, go hard or go home, I say. Uh, it, it's go big or go home is my attitude for, for a TV. We're not buying small TVs anymore. The entry-level TV now is 65 inches and, and above. So many of my readers and listeners have, have emailed looking for the best deal on a 75-inch TV. So that's I think that's the new normal now, having a TV that big. But the wall luxury from Samsung can make that even bigger. If you want to check it out for yourself, you got integrate is over. You can't go to the show, but you can though go to techguide.com.au Next up we're talking Dyson and the Dyson light cycle. Now, this is a product, a light product. You know Dyson make lights? This isn't their first light they've created, but it is their most interesting and most recent light. It's the light cycle task light. Now, basically what this is in a nutshell is a light that can imitate natural light depending on the time of day. So if you're working in the morning, it's going to give the light that's going to come out of this is going to look like the morning light, morning sunlight. If it's at the height of the day, midday, it's going to look a little bit brighter. In the evening, it's in the afternoon and evening, it's going to taper off a little bit and have that different kind of glow to it. Now, Dyson, have they never make a product that uh, is just for the sake of it. They, they like to solve a problem with their product. And they've done a lot of research in this and employed quite a large engineering team to come up with a way for you to have the light you need, but for it not to affect our well-being. Believe it or not, most of of human evolution over the last 200,000 years, humans for 99.9% of that time have organized their activities around the daily cycle of natural light. So sunrise, midday sun, sunset, night time, Our human body clocks have grown accustomed to that daily cycle. So the sun makes its way across the sky. It creates our own, with us, our own body clock and governs when we wake up, when we eat, when we work, when we play, when we sleep. And this cycle continues. And it's only recently, with the introduction of artificial light and our ability to control that light, that that's a recent development. But that has also led to other things. And artificial light, it does allow us to do things after dark, but the quality and colour of the light, believe it or not, could be doing us harm. The Dyson Light Cycle is designed to mimic the colour temperature and the brightness of light for that time of day. And it does that with a unique algorithm. So it takes into account your location, the time, the date, and it calculates then the colour temperature, brightness of daylight, that it should be at that particular moment. So it does. It sends that information to the onboard 32-bit microprocessor and uh, the optical driver to then tune the product's LED lights. There are three cool lights, three warm lights, that simulate the daylight colour temperature between 2700 and 6500 Kelvin. That's Cal. Color temperatures measured, and it give, provides that accurate type of light. Now, believe it or not, and, and this was really educational talking to there was an expert on hand at, at this launch uh, for, of the Dyson product. And this this is what I found hard to believe that low light, um, flickering, and glare can have an effect on how we feel and how we function and can also do things like causing eye strain, visual fatigue, and headaches, just on light, if you can believe that. So we, our internal body clocks are pretty fine-tuned after 200,000 years of evolution. Our, our brains and even our organs know what time of the day it is, and any disruption, that causes problems. The most common disruption of your body clock If anyone's ever travelled on a long flight and they've landed in another time zone, if you're suffering jet lag, that is the effect of your body clock being disrupted. And some handle it, some don't. Others, it really affects them really deeply and and they're not feeling very well. But that's probably the most common uh, type of disruption to your body clock is jet lag. So our our internal body clocks always know the precise time of day because you think about it, when we, we, we our body clocks know it's evening because then it starts producing melatonin and that in, in time with our circadian rhythm is what causes us to fall asleep at night. So it's this rhythm, this natural flow that causes that and that, that cycle of our life. So, okay, when the sun goes down, we go to sleep. When the sun comes up, we wake up. So any disruption to that circadian rhythm could cause can affect the quality of your sleep and a long-term effect of that could have effects on your health. So that's where Dyson's coming from with this. We're exposed to even more light than ever before now too because of technology. We're looking at phones for 100 times a day, tablets, so all these lights are in our face all the time and blue light, that's a whole other story. If you're looking at blue light, that can affect your internal photoreceptors, interrupt your production of melatonin and that in turn interrupts your circadian rhythm and you'll have trouble falling asleep. So looking at your phone or having your phone in bed, uh, if your phone doesn't have a blue light filter on it, you're looking at this glaring white light in your face, that could cause you, your body, to not fall asleep naturally as it should. And with the flickering lights too, that can also cause fatigue. And there's flicker in some lights that... You don't even realise they're flickering, but subconsciously your brain is is noticing the flicker and then causing headaches. So with the Dyson light cycle, it takes all that into account, creates that right type of colour temperature and brightness, and distributes it, sort of creates this persistent, this consistent pool of illumination. So it, it provides this area uh, to for you to work in, read, whatever you happen to be doing. It comes There's a companion app as well that works with it as well, so you can take complete control of the light, personalise it to suit you. You can also choose different modes as well, by the way, but depending on what you want to do, you want to maybe a focus mode, relaxing mode, whatever you want to do, it allows you to tweak that as well. One thing I didn't know as well, it was very educational, this briefing, by the way, one thing I didn't know either was that a 65-year-old Needs up to four times more light than a twenty-year-old. I didn't realize that. That's why the app, when you're setting it up, will ask you your age. That's the reason why. If you are sixty-five-year-old, four times more light than a twenty-year-old. Is it, I don't know. What is a twenty-year-old like? A like a bat? They can see in the dark. I'm not sure. But as we get older, our 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 visual, our vision in the dark obviously decreases. Our, our perception. Our our, the, our eye health is affected. The, I think there's lens discoloration and aging, and the lens hardens. It's very hard to focus. That's that's why when you hit your late forties, early fifties, is why you need reading glasses because your eye lens can't focus as it used to. Uh, but in this instance, you you also need require more light as you get older as well. And this is a light that will suit. Now LED lights can get really hot, but Dyson has thought of that. They've got a vacuum-sealed copper tube with a drop of water inside it. So what happens when the LED light gets hot? It evaporates the drop of water in the copper pipe, which then dissipates the heat along the pipe. And so what happens at the other end of the pipe? The water condenses again, and then it returns to the LED side again by capillary action. So you've got a non-stop an energy-free cycle of cooling. Very clever, the, the people at Dyson. So uh, they, they've got these preset modes, 20 different light settings. You can even assign names to each one so you know uh, what to suit, whatever you're doing or how you're feeling. Uh, the arm of, is also adjustable and reversible as well. So there's a, a way to adjust the the how far out forward the light comes and how high or low you can bring the light as well. There's even a USB-C port for charging your mobile devices on the base, uh, including uh, you can also charge your laptop computer through there as well. There's an ambient light sensor so I can detect if there's any background light uh, or any changes to the light. There's also a, uh, an infrared movement sensor because it turns itself off and on when you're close to it. So if you walk away from it and there's been no movement for two minutes, light turns off but the second you come back to what they call an intimate distance, so really close to it, the light will switch on again. The Dyson Light Cycle Task Light is available now. Two colours, white and silver, uh, So, and also uh, there's a white slash silver colour, and there's also black, and it is priced at 799 If you want to read more about it and see where you can buy it, there's a number and an email address there. You need to check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear, they're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, you upgrade your smartphone and TV and your laptop, but when was the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? It's probably been a while. Well, the future of Wi-Fi is here. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6.0. If you watch your shows on services like Netflix and Stan, you need the newest line of high performance routers from Netgear. It's like giving your streaming the VIP treatment. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi Fi 6 routers give you ultra fast Wi Fi speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more. So what you need is high-performance Wi-Fi that can keep up with you and your entire family. It's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever, and you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today at netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. Come on. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Okay, first up, uh, we're going on the reviews today. We're going to look at the Telstra Locator. Now, this is a product that is... A real, real handy if you often leave things behind, want to keep track of things, it's a small disk uh, that works in two ways, there's two types, there's a smaller disk, a thinner disk that works via Bluetooth, and there is a thicker version that works tracking through Wi-Fi so if you want to take a look at this device if you perhaps if you're a Telstra customer it's going to cost you $10 a month and what happens it works like this so you download the Telstra locator app on your iPhone or Android device you pair your locator tags to the app and then you attach the tags to whatever you want to track so whatever you want to keep keep uh, keep an eye on for example you might have you'll have the Telstra app on your phone and you might have the Telstra locator tag on your wallet or in your purse or uh, on any other object you want to keep a track of. So what happens now if the Bluetooth, if the the connection is is broken, so if you go beyond 10 metres with your connection, then you're going to get an alert on your phone. So if you've left your bag behind in the restaurant or the coffee shop or your wallet, you can't find it, you're going to get you're going to get a notification now what it allows you to do is to to find the tag you can actually make the tag make a sound or you can if it's if it's your phone you can't you can't find then you can connect the tag back to the phone and make the phone make a sound from the tag as well now there it's a, it's easy to clip on to your belongings, there's like a little ring on the end of it so you can attach it to a zipper or just sit it inside your your bag, maybe inside a little pocket of your wallet, whatever you want to keep track of. Now that's the Bluetooth version. When you're talking about the Wi-Fi version, it's slightly thicker and this is designed to track things out in the world. So it it doesn't use Bluetooth, it uses Wi-Fi. Before you had Bluetooth, so whatever was connected between your phone and your phone and and the ta- and the locator tag they had a relationship so if one was if that link is ever broken then you are able to then find that locate that and if if it's beyond the distance if you've forgotten and you go back there again uh, you can know the last known location as well so you're, if you're a Telstra customer, ten dollars a month, as I said, and if you other Telstra customers say you've reported uh, your bags been lost and there was a, a locator tag in there, if someone that happens to be a customer, a Telstra customer walks by, then it might it might pick it up and it might notice that the it, it Telstra anonymously will then see all these connections and say, okay. Someone just walked past this reported this tag that was reported missing uh, at this address, and then you'll get a notification. Well, here, this was the last known location as well. The person who walked past who facilitated you finding that address is they're not going to be any the wiser because it's just their connection that's been used anonymously to relay that information. Now, in a similar way, if you're using the Wi Fi version, this is the Wi Fi tag will you use it for things like bikes. Tools. You can even use it on your pet's collar, so that if your pet happens to get out of your out of your home, out of the the yard, what happens now is that the 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 tag, the Wi-Fi tag, uses any Wi-Fi network it pings nearby. So if your dog is wandering around a neighborhood, going by all these Telstra Wi-Fi networks, it's pinging all of those Wi-Fi networks, so you can track it triangulate its location based on the it pinging those Wi-Fi networks on its travels. Now, there's a lot of Telstra Wi-Fi networks around, whether they're in homes, whether they're uh, the Telstra Air phone boxes. So there's lots of places where these tags can ping and hopefully deliver you back to that your product, back to your device, back to your dog, uh, any way you want to use this thing. So it uses... The Telstra Air Wi-Fi network, uh, more than one point four million compatible Telstra Air home gateways around Australia, it, it will work with, and over four thousand Telstra Air payphones. So that's a lot. Of, that's a huge network for to be detected inside of. So chances are of you locating your pet or your bike or whatever you're looking for, uh, even are uh, higher, are uh, much higher because of that the huge number of places that it will ping when it's out in the world. Now, again, this is a a Telstra product, so you need to have, you're paying $10 a month, uh, and then you get, for the $10 a month, you get the tags, two two Bluetooth tags and a Wi-Fi tag. They even sell separately a pet collar, for you to fit the, uh, the Wi-Fi tag even more securely to your pet's collar so it's safe and secure on, the, on their neck. Uh, so that all comes when you decide to subscribe for $10 a month. Uh, you receive the free starter kit, which has those two Bluetooth tags and one Wi-Fi tag. The pet collar uh, attachment is separate. You have to buy that separately, but you can buy it from a Telsa store uh, or online. If you want to uh, keep track of your stuff, and not lose it ever again. That's frustrating when you've got stuff that you're looking after and you, you don't want to leave it behind. I, look, for those of you thinking, hey, this sounds a lot like Tile, it is very similar to Tile in the Bluetooth sense, but the whole Wi-Fi aspect to it is completely different. I personally use Tile, been using Tile for years. I now have the Telstra Locators, which I'm now using, but the Tile, uh, I keep Tile in my luggage, so, I know if I 'm traveling around the world and I, if, if my luggage I can't locate the luggage if it's lost, I can always track it. I use it to see if my bag made the connection now often there's some pretty tight connections, and if you've checked your luggage through it's not unusual for you to for the bag to miss the flight and to come on the next one so that's I do I do like to check when I land that the luggage is actually near me as well, which is always a good sign but the the Telstra locator will work in Australia very well. tile works anywhere you go or the blue. Telstra Tile will work Telstra Tag I should say will work anywhere in the world. Wi-Fi Tag will only work in Australia within the Telstra Air network. If you want to read more about that story, you know what you should do. Check it out at techguide.com.au. <laughs> Next up, a product we don 't get to speak too much about we don 't review too many network attached storage drives now we, what this week we 're talking about the synology d s ten nineteen plus this is a five bay network attached storage i 'm going to call it a nas from now on, so you know but that, that does stand for network attached storage now this is this is a home office or small business solution and from the outset, I'm going to tell you, you do need a bit of IT now to set this up and use it properly. It, it is it is easy to set up, but to maintain it, to set up volumes, you really need to have a bit of knowledge. And even I've got a lot of technology and. I'm probably a beginner when it comes to the the NAS drives, but I managed to muddle my way through and load up drives and and install all all the things that I need for this to do. Now, for me, I was was setting out to use this as a bit of a backup, a bit of a backup system, but also as a media server. And there are so many uses for a NAS in your home uh, that those are just two of many. Uh, You could maybe organise it as a way for you to... Uh, feed in all your security camera footage. You might want to create it as your own personal cloud solution. So rather than saving to a server up in the sky or on a foreign server, you can use this NAS drive to be where you save all your photos and all your documents so that every member of the family can have a way to back up their phone and their computers in a central position. Now, the whole idea of having a NAS is that, and I'll tell you from the outset, the NAS doesn't come with hard drives. You need to buy your own hard disks for this product. So you get five bays, which obviously means you can put up to five hard disks inside. So I, I went hard. I, I put in. I've got a sixteen gig NAS drive and a, a Seagate IronWolf Pro sixteen gig NAS drive and four Seagate IronWolf Pro ten gigabyte drives. For a total of 56 terabytes, I thought, we're going to do this, we're going to do it right. And as I said, I wanted to set up as a media server, slash backup, slash personal cloud, uh, and that's exactly what I could do. Now, really easy to set up, the, the bays pop open at the front, you insert the drives without any tools. There's like plastic uh, rails on the side that keeps the drives in place. Really simple to set up. No tools required. And then you slot the drives in. Each dr- bay comes... Uh, there's a key that can lock each bay so no one can come along and steal your discs. You can lock them up pretty well. And then once you started that, then you... Uh, you can then install or you, what you do is you look for the NAS drive on your network because it's a network-attached storage, remember, so it connects to power, but it also connects to your modem or your router. So you can it will show up on the network so you can access stuff while you're home and you can also access stuff remotely through the companion app as well. So if you're looking for a document or a photo or something that you've saved on the drive, you don't have to be home to retrieve it. You can log into this remotely and get it. So you might keep, I don't know, documents or something you need to access. You haven't got it on your computer where you are or your phone, but you can log in using the app to do that. And once you see, once it shows up on your browser, you you need to then install the DSM, the Disk Station Manager, which is browser-based software that lets you control and monitor the NAS and even install apps. That's right. This comes with apps that help you to do whatever, whatever you want to do with the NAS. There are apps that help you to achieve this. Now, first of all, once you've set it up and uh, it'll, it'll wipe the drives. My drives were brand new anyway, so that didn't matter. Um, so after the initial setup, then you make a few choices about your folder, how you want to configure it, and then you create your volumes and folders. Now, the other decision you need to make is whether you want this to be a backup drive as well. Now, what that's called is it's called a RAID Setup. So a RAID setup, RAID stands for Redundant Array of Independent Discs, by the way. So you want to have a RAID 1 setup, for example. That means that all your stuff on the NAS will be replicated once as a backup. So that if, if some of the drives go, you've got a backup. You can have a RAID 2, so you can have two backups and three, and four, and so on. The most common, of course, is RAID 1. If you're maybe a small business enterprise, you might have RAID 2 and 3, just so you've got uh, all these redundancies in place. So if, if the first two drives fail, you've got two other drives. Uh, the chances of four drives failing at once is, is slim, uh, if not impossible. That's why there's, there's multiple RAID setups. So it's up to you how you want to do it. Uh, in my case, I set up it as a, a RAID 1. So that I could have a backup of all the, the folders that I choose to back up. So I'm not going to back up my movie collection because I can just simply download them back from where I bought them or what or where I got them from. But I do want a backup of all my photos and all my videos and all my sensitive documents and all of those things. So that's why what I put in the rate. So. You, you can choose to set this up how you like and control it how you like as well. So, we, and as I mentioned, I wanted to run this as a media server. So we were able, so we're able, when you think about it, imagine this scenario, which I've done, all the movies and TV shows that I own, I can digitize or download the digital version, store them in in a, in a place. So stuff that I don't want to stream, stuff that I own I can put in one place. Same thing applies for music too, and then stream it on whatever device I want on my network. So because this is attached to my network, and so is my smart TV, so is my my smart blue my 4K player as well. I can then tap into this library and view anywhere in the house what I want. I did that using the Plex app. The Plex app runs on the on the disc station manager. And it can be installed across all your devices, your TVs uh, as well, so you can access whatever you want. Plex also scans and organises the file and displays the metadata. So, for example, it'll pull up the poster for that film. It'll it'll then grab all the con all the information off the internet about the cast, the storyline, the director. So all that information is then brought in as well. So it's this amazing media library, this digital media library that you can create. But that's just one of the many uses as I mentioned. You could—you might be a small business who needs to back up all your, your important customer data or other sensitive information. You might want to store your security camera footage. You might want to create backups for all your phones and all your tablets and all your computers in your house. There are apps that allow you to do that too but at the heart of it is this network attached drive from Synology that creates this amazing, it's got this amazing hardware that keeps all that data organised. So you've got to remember the disks don't come with it, but the device itself has a powerful processor. Uh, it, it runs really efficiently. It's pretty quiet. There's not too much fan noise either. So uh, yeah, it's got very low power consumption and it works really smoothly. It's it's got it's powered by an Intel Celeron J three four five five processor and there's even eight gig of RAM on board as well to help you access your data, manage your data, and organise your data really quickly and really easily. Now the Synology Drive the ten nineteen plus, it's uh, priced at a thousand and ninety nine dollars. Now. That doesn't include the hard disk, so I, I refer to this product as an investment you're investing in your the security and the and, and the safety of your data, uh, whether it's your photos, whatever it happens to be. This is an investment into that security. So this is the hardware. The disks are separate. So you can choose whatever capacity disks you want. But this alone, the Synology 1019 Plus Network Attached Storage, $1,099. It will serve you well into the future if you set it up right. In the future, you might want to expand your disk space. You just pop out a disk and put a higher capacity disk in there, and you can copy your stuff across. It's pretty simple. The Synology 1019 Plus if you want to read more about it, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. A few days ago, Panasonic revealed its new Lumix S1H cinema camera. This is the new full-frame mirrorless cinema camera cap- capable of capturing 6K and also offering filmmakers this amazing flexibility, so there's a brand new 24.2 megapixel full-frame CMOS sensor, which which features dual-native ISO technology, so what you're doing, you're minimizing noise, but still offering this outstanding image quality. Now, it captures in 6K full-frame, 10-bit internally, so the higher quality 6K output gives you the ability to maybe crop and pan and stabilise in post-production and still maintain 4K resolution. So shooting in 6K... But you can do a lot to that, and still have uh, a four K file out of it, even if you have to crop in and do stuff to the to the footage. Uh, it gives you that kind of flexibility. It also adopts the new L mount lens system that was introduced earlier this year with the S one. Uh, and by the end of next year, there's going to be more than forty six interchangeable lenses available in that family of products. So uh, that's pretty cool, right there as well. Uh, what what it it allows you to do the, the The lenses, by the way, are going to be coming from Panasonic, Leica, and Sigma, so 46 by the end of next year. But you think of this for filmmakers, it is this really small camera, and there was a demo there. There was a cinematographer that was on hand to shoot some demos. Panasonic had set up a few different sets. I think they recreated a scene out of The Great Gatsby. Then they had this, so they could demonstrate the low-light capabilities. Then they moved to a diner setup where there was all these dancers, like from the 50s, and Uh, There there was a way for it then to illustrate the slow motion capabilities as well. And then following that, they had a band performing in another part of the studio, and it was able to then show the terrific performance in various light conditions, close-ups in those conditions as well. And we saw straight out of the camera the results, and the results were absolutely breathtaking. Uh, So they were just incredibly, incredibly high quality. Uh, on board 2 for the first time is unlimited recording time. A lot of people don't realise that some cameras actually can get quite hot uh, when they're recording, especially in that kind of resolution, for a long time, and they have automatic shut-off. So I think some cameras only limit video recording up to 30 minutes, which is a problem if you want to record a continuous event, uh, a documentary, whatever you happen to be filming. In the case of the Lumix, it has unlimited recording time thanks to this new heat dispersion structure with, uh, that allows that there's got these fans on board that keeps things cool and allows the camera to run as long as you've got memory in your memory card. Speaking of memory card, there are two memory card slots, so dual SD card slots, and you can record to both at once just to have a redundancy. So handy if you want to not risk losing any of your footage, you can shoot to two SD cards at the same time. So if one memory card fails, you got the other memory card as backup. Now it, it does shoot full frame six K at twenty four frames per second and 5.9K at 24, 25, or 30 frames per second, uh, which is uh, is pretty impressive. The camera also uh, accommodates a, a variety of recording formats, including 4x3 anamorphic mode, uh, which is what a lot of professionals use. Uh, there's also a V-log and v gamut with a wide dynam- dynamic range of 14-plus stops, so you can accurately, accurately capture everything from the dark areas to the bright areas of your set, uh, and because of that on on board heat management, that unlimited video recording lets you even if you 're shooting long form video it helps the uh, documentaries, interviews, events, and things like that uh, does really well. The two memory cards by the way high speed SD memory card slots they support uhs two SD card and also video speed class ninety now on the battery side is a three thousand and fifty milliamp hour battery that offers up to two hours of recording time, which is super impressive, and you can quickly charge it via the onboard USB as well. Now, on the back of the camera is a 3.2-inch touch rear monitor, which is 150% brighter, uh, so that you can get even better visibility when you're shooting outdoors as well. That screen, by the way, also pops out. It's got a multi hinge design, So it can be tilted and rotated so that your shooters can easily change their angles without having to go to the to the have to unplug cables and and mess about. They can do that really well. It's got a new high resolution status L C D as well on top. So looking down on the camera, there's this 1.8-inch screen, largest in its class. So you can check uh, things like how how recordable time to video, number of images uh, you've shot, remaining battery power, and all those major settings on a black and white switchable background. So at a glance, just from looking down on top of the camera, you can see all of that information. The Lumix S1H, it's going to be available in Australia in October uh, it's going to be priced at $5,999. That's the body-only price, but if you want the kit with the Lumix S 24-105mm to f4 macro uh, lens, then that price is going to go up to $7,599. 6K cinema camera, don't forget. It's it's the size of an SLR, hence the reason why it's so expensive, but according to the cinematographer that was doing the demonstration they were raving about this product and what a breakthrough this is it's a game changer was a was a phrase he used quite some time quite a few times i i don't think i'm capable of of reviewing a device a product like this as in depth as it should be so i'm seeking perhaps to even to contact that cinematographer that we uh, spoke to on the day and uh, maybe ask him to contribute a review or contact uh, some of our other filmmaker friends who want to get their hands on it Uh, We'll let them give you their verdict. They've probably got a lot more experience using this type of product than I have. But even I'm excited about this product and uh, just the the capabilities that it puts in your hands are absolutely remarkable. If you want to read more about that product, you can check it out, the Lumix S1H. Check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech God podcast is proudly supported by Norton. That's the company that can protect you and your family online. We live in a world where hackers are constantly finding new ways to steal your personal information. And because we spend so much time online, it's quite possible we could find ourselves in a cybercriminal site. The Norton team is dedicated to keeping people safe online no matter how they connect. So whether you're paying bills on your phone, shopping on your tablet or banking on your laptop, Norton Security Premium is working hard behind the scenes to help keep your information, your identity and your devices protected. For more information on how to protect your digital life, visit au.norton.com. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin. They're the company if you're after cables, chargers, you name it. For accessories, go to belkin.com forward slash au. Now, we've got a voice bite to play for you, so let's get right into that. Hi, Steve. I have a Samsung S6. How do I stop ads popping up? I've got pop-up blocker set on the web page, but they still pop up. Thank you. A great question. Uh, that That is from Albie. And uh, the, the reason that will be happening, uh, people think, well, look, I've, I've got the, the ad blocker going on and it's not working. Well, the reason it comes up is because perhaps from uh, what apps you've installed, there's a pop-up ads. If you install an app, it could easily put pop-up ads on your browser as well. A lot of people don't realize that. So the you install these apps, all these pop-up ads then not only appear on your browser, but because they're popping up all the time, it could also drain your battery as well. So what we suggest you do in this instance is start up your phone in safe mode and See if it's still working. If, it, if, it, if, it's, if it, they don't pop up in safe mode, you know that it's definitely a, one of the apps that you've installed recently. So what I'd suggest is go back to those apps, see whether uh, process of elimination, unfortunately, it could be a long process, but at least you know why it's happening. It's because of an app that you've installed. You just got to go through and find out which one. Uh, also on the help desk, we did have another question from a reader who was uh, wanting to replace their Plasma TV, which is quite old. If you've still got a Plasma TV, that's an old TV. And uh, their concern was that the Plasma was, or the TV was going to be in quite a bright room. Uh, And they wanted to make sure that the TV they had in mind, I think it was the Samsung QLED TV that they were thinking of buying, they wanted to make sure that it had the brightness of the TV could suit the quite bright room that would be sitting in. Uh, My response to that was absolutely the QLED TVs from Samsung have remarkable brightness. Uh, They've got a a, a filter structure, uh, like a lens structure on the screen, so that the brightness still shines through with low reflection, even in bright sunlight. So you've got no problems whatsoever there. and that's it that's full time in our show this week boy that went quick everything we've talked about on the show of course you can find at techguide.com.au if you want to get in touch uh, just like Albie send us a voice bite hit the record button on Tech Guide your voice will appear on the Tech Guide podcast and I will answer your question if you want to send us an old school email you can do that as well info at techguide.com.au we want to give a special thanks to our sponsors Netgear the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs and also Norton the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thank you for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.